am Montana York, and I'm your host here at Cambridge House. And I'm joined today by the one and only Kurt Booker Jr. He is the author of The Coin Geek, as well as a Bitcoin historian. Kurt, thank you for being here. Hey, glad to be here. Great to have you. Um, Kurt, I would like to start off just by asking you, what is a Bitcoin historian? How did you get that title? <laughs> um, I, you know, it's funny. Like, there's not... There are historians about everything. Like you can find like sliced bread historians if you if you dig far enough, and you get to see these people talk on like weird History Channel updates, or you see them on the news occasionally. And I have always been super interested in Bitcoin history, uh, even when I started. I've actually been a Bitcoiner for about ten years. And um, but in 2012 and 2013, like I, I said, you know what? I what what have I missed? I missed almost three or four years of Bitcoin history at that point. So. I just got really into it. I, I read every word Satoshi ever wrote and um, and read all the forum posts and the debates and all this stuff. I wanted to really deeply understand Bitcoin. And so I immersed myself in that as a, as a foundation. Uh, and now what it means, I, I do a lot of podcast appearances. I, I am indeed on the news occasionally. And I, I write a usually once a week uh, editorial and, and usually tell something historical about Bitcoin. Like I'll tell some story from six, seven, eight, nine years ago that maybe people forgot about and, and I'll compare it to something new. So hopefully people can learn something new about Bitcoin while also learning something old about Bitcoin because uh, I'm a firm believer you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. Absolutely. Um, and then we touched on your weekly uh, bulletin on uh, Bitcoin, but I'd also love to talk about your weekly live uh, streams. Yes. So one of, one of the things I think is crucial is to really know what you believe and why you believe it. I, and I think the best way to do it is to take open Q&A from the audience. So we do the CoinGeek weekly live stream. Uh, and it's a, it's a one-hour show on Tuesday afternoons. And we welcome questions from anybody. We can talk about anything Bitcoin related. I will debate. I will clarify history. It, it doesn't really matter. But I will take all questions from all comers. And I always just sort of hope people will learn something like I, I just want to be that educator. I want to be the person that, you know, maybe I open your eyes about something you didn't know about Bitcoin and put you down on your own journey uh, that, that made your life more valuable in some way. Great. Uh, and one thing about my podcast is I'm shifting towards um, being more defensive with your wealth. I would love to learn how to be more defensive with your wealth uh, from a crypto aspect. Hmm. Well, you know, it's it's complicated. Uh, you know, from an investment standpoint, I mean, Bitcoin has outperformed everything else for for you know not even just the last decade, but like in the known history of investment, uh, Bitcoin has been you know the greatest performer. If you started on day one and you've held to today, you've outperformed everything, and so it puts you in a precarious situation because it means we're in uncharted waters, uh, and we're also in uncharted waters across the the you know the quote unquote real economy, it, like. There's more dollars in circulation um, exponentially, uh, and the and the rate at which dollars are produced is accelerating. And so, there's a lot we don't know about uh, what what we're testing out here. Like we are in sort of a Keynesian modern economic theory inflection point, and and we really don't know what happens over the next two or three years. We're starting to see inflation or the effects of inflation. Uh, you know, gallon of milk has gone up significantly. Gallon of gas is uh, getting really painful. You know, I, I drive an SUV. So for me, it, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to really hurt at the pump. And it's hard to say, like, you know what, does, does the economy grow and do interest rates, you know, start to bring this down? And, you know, like, like are we going to flex our way out of this slowly? Or, I mean, are we in for a major revolution from an economic standpoint? And, and frankly, 
we just don't know. Uh, so I always think of, of really any asset as a hedge. Like I'm always hedging risk. I am not that guy who, you know, does the YOLO and goes and picks up, you know, I, I I'm not the guy that bought game stock because that's what everybody was up to. Like it, it, it's fun. I encourage it, but that's not my style for me. It's always, it's wealth preservation first. Uh, and so for me, that's, that's hard assets. That's cash flowing assets. In a lot of ways, it's business assets too. I really like businesses that are, uh, you know, valuable, even in economic downturns. And that's done quite well for me because the risk averse portion of my portfolio has been largely Bitcoin based and things as well. And um, I'm also a big supporter of holding, holding all forks, holding everything that, that comes your direction. If, if you're a old school Bitcoiner, uh, you have been given tons and tons of airdrops and stuff over the years that all have varying values and things like that. And, and I think keeping a portion of your portfolio just 10 years long, like weird risk assets, like buy them and forget about them. Like spend your beer money, not your rent money, and then hold on to stuff. And you know, if, if it fails, like it was your beer money. Right. But if it, but if it wins, you, you get to be that person that uh, either just does really well in a decade when the economy looks a little different, or, you know, maybe you're the only person that can afford to feed your family in some post-industrial hellscape or, you know, whatever's coming next <laughs> with this right. crazy economy. Right. And then shifting from defensive to offensive, what is a great way to accumulate wealth of crypto? I mean, you get the buy in the buy people, right? The people that every week, you know, I'm always stacking sats, right? And and, and that's that's okay. But I, I think that there's much more interesting ways to acquire wealth. And for me, it's it's about looking for those businesses that cannot exist with any other technology. So like what's a micropayments business that that literally like you couldn't do it with PayPal, you couldn't do it with Visa, you could not do it with you know maybe AWS or whatever, like where there's like a data ownership aspect of things or a micropayments aspect of things. And so I look at companies uh like Twitch, for example, is a social media uh platform that is completely on chain, it's an open protocol. It costs five cents to post, but if you have a social media following, if you're relatively popular, you're earning profit on that. And that's, you know, we're talking dollars, not thousands of dollars or like big investment money, but but these things are really practical for people, uh, first of all, in the developing world, but also for people that like to casually use things over time. I, I personally have a you know relatively big Twitter following and, and they've come to me at Twitch and I make something like three or four grand a year just using Twitch as a social media tool for people to interact with me. And so for me, that's, you know, that's fine. That's, that's good money. Like that's a couple months worth of mortgage or, or whatever. But, um, but for a lot of people that can be very life changing money. You know, we, we have a lot of people in the Philippines and Thailand and uh, that, that use these apps and, and provide real value. And they're making very real income using uh, just a simple application like that. Uh, there's also things, there's gaming apps and and other things where you can earn sort of passive income doing the things that you're doing on the regular. But uh, currently, you know, the best way to accumulate big chunks is obviously to be shrewd, uh, accumulate things that are new. Uh, obviously, people have done really well with like purchasing NFTs and 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 some of that. And so there's there's opportunity there, but I, I don't like to encourage that because I feel like that's it's bubble think, uh, and being aggressive in a bubble is, is very, very profitable. And, you know, kudos to the people that have done well, but I think we're either nearing or at the end of that bubble. And ultimately I think it makes sense to be a little more defensive and conservative, uh, w waiting until the next Bitcoin happening, which is a little less than two years away. 
Okay. And I know you're obviously very passionate about Bitcoin, but are there any other coins on the market uh, that kind of catch your eye or excite you? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of a Bitcoin contrarian. Like I, I've been a Bitcoiner for 10 years now, but I've always been a big blocker, which is like the really unpopular view on Bitcoin that like Bitcoin cash initially was the big split. And then BSV was the, the split to say, look, we need to have an unbounded Bitcoin protocol. Uh, so for me, I'm, I'm most bullish on BSV uh, because it is, it's the most unique implementation of Bitcoin. Um, it has not performed particularly well during the bull market. I actually think it's going to perform really well in the bear market, again, because of those business opportunities. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I look at most projects and I see three basic things. I see Bitcoin clones, I see Ethereum clones, and then I see the occasional yeah, like DAG projects. So these would be a couple of years ago, this would have been IOTA. Uh, you see the, the, the nano army out there, uh, you know, talking about some of this stuff. But ultimately, I, I don't. I don't like projects that are proof of stake. I think they have a broken economic model fundamentally. And then ultimately, um, I think the Ethereum model doesn't really scale either. And for me, taking an asymmetric view of the market, you want to be ahead of the curve. And to be ahead of the curve means you, you get into the thing that can scale. If we onboarded, you know, let's, let's say somebody came to the blockchain, like a massive company that needed a billion transactions a week. Well, where could they go? I mean, the, the response is that they could not go anywhere in the blockchain economy except for the BSV blockchain, which is the most scalable blockchain on earth today. Um, <laughs> and so for me, I look at that and say, like, that is a corner of your portfolio that should be covered. If you believe that blockchains are worth anything and will be used in the future, like the work that's being done to actually scale them to do that hard research and development is being done there while everybody else is benefiting from, again, DeFi, DAOs, NFTs, and all these other things that are like really popular and really hype. Like they're, they're, they're working on little niche economies that have been super profitable, but they ultimately can't scale. It's, it's a liquidity thing on their side, which again, make money when there's hype, but, but always be looking long-term, look past the bubble, reinvest things into uh, more conservative things so that you can accumulate the next thing rather than, you know, holding your bag down like 95% losses or whatever. Right. Um, and then I'd love to touch a little bit on your passion for crypto and why you think it's so important. Well, it's a few things. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm political and I'm a, I'm a I'm a tech futurist and I'm very much like I, I think that we've gone the wrong direction as a as a culture and as a tech culture in in a lot of ways. Like it's not just political worldview. It's not just like social or socioeconomic or religious worldview. Like it's kind of everything at once. Where we've lost our identity as individuals and we've kind of become this bizarre techno collective. That you see across even just a place like Twitter, where everybody's kind of nameless and faceless, and you have anonymous trolls and like these bullying armies. And it's, you know, am I being social engineered by a Russian bot or am I being, you know, am I being attacked by, you know, like are any of these like, are, is, are these communists real or are these right wingers real? Like, I do, we don't even know. And that's, that's a very weird place to be in because as a species, I mean, we have thousands of years of us living in relatively small groups, knowing your neighbors, 
cooperating, working together, like your lives are intrinsically connected to your ability to cooperate. Mm -hmm. And then just in like two generations, we have completely flipped that switch. And we like plug into this cyborg theocracy that we're all sort of stuck in. And and, and I say this as somebody who also loves it. Like I love the progress. <laughs> it's I have fun with it, but I get very worried about losing our ability to to own our own identities and 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 therefore own our own data and and I think that's the most important thing that like blockchain technology like the cryptographic aspect of being able to own your digital identity as our identity moves into that sort of web3 space being able to say like this is mine this is provably mine you can't have it like I can grant you permission or license to these things uh, but ultimately I can I can withdraw my consent and take my property and my identity back when I, when I deem it's, it's time. That's crucial. I think that is the most valuable thing. Um, and everything else extends from it, like fixing the money and all that other stuff is an extension of your ability to say like, this is definitely my money. This is my property. And uh, so for me, I, I like to take that step and and start with sort of a I don't know, a deeper social meaning behind what it means to own your data and own yourself. So that's that's what it is for me. Uh, great. And then, yeah, that kind of answers my next question, which was, um, why do you think crypto is here to stay? But it's pretty self-explanatory based on... Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's here. If it's not, then, I mean, we've got a whole host of problems. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, besides Bitcoin, are there any other coins or anything that you think are here to stay or just the blockchain you mentioned earlier? Um, you know, I sort of think, I think it'll be like a lot of things. Like if you look at technology, there's always one major protocol that sort of dominates 90 plus percent of the market once everything gets figured out. And we're in that weird interim period where it's like, I don't know, is it going to be Dash or Zcash or Monero? Or is it going to be BTC plus Lightning Network or something, you know, and and you get like all the other platform stuff, which you have your Ethereum's and your Solana's and your Polygon's and all your other things over there. And like, that reminds me a lot of like the operating system wars or, or the computer standards wars or the telecom wars where everybody was like, I don't know, we think this is the best because of X and Y, but then ultimately the economy decides and basically everything falls off. So we have like one internet, for example, but that wasn't always the case. There were lots of segregated, weird uh, intranets that were running on different protocols. And some of those exist today, but we call them intranets today because it does make sense to have your data segregated in a small network. To, you know, let's say you're the military or something like that. You know, you just have your stuff out on the web. But we agreed on the TCP IP protocol building the World Wide Web, uh, the hypertext, what we call HTML, and, and all these other things. Like This is how we're going to build the internet. And it's essentially how everybody uses the internet. And I think we'll do the same thing with, with Bitcoin. Ultimately, I think we'll, we'll decide that the Bitcoin protocol is capable and therefore build everything on the most capable uh, and scalable protocol, which again, for me, it's BSV is that implementation of Bitcoin. But I think we will always have other things in niches. Uh, and I think Monero is a good example of like, people want to have like extreme anonymity, but that's always going to be a niche market. Like most people don't really care. And like, you don't need the extreme privacy unless you're doing something that is you know, extremely problematic, like legally or, or socially or whatever. But the world isn't going to all be cypherpunks and crooks. Like that's just not how things 
tend to uh, play out. So uh, all that to say, I think it'll be like 90 plus percent one thing. And then there'll be a few little niches where, where other things exist, but they will ultimately be uh, very niche uh, communities and projects. Great. Uh, that actually just made something click for me in layman's terms as well, the internet to reference. Um, and it just made me think about search engines. And like in the early 2000s, when we had Ask Jeeves mm -hmm. and Google and all these different things, and everyone's yep. kind of fallen uh, fallen off and we're just left with Google. So yeah, yep, for sure. <laughs> cool. And then do you have any other crypto forecasts for 2022? You know, I, I think we're in a bear market. I think we've been in a bear market for about six months. Uh, and I was poked at six months ago when I started saying, hey, people, the top is in. But we're, we're starting to see it really play out here. And, you know, I'm not particularly bullish on a whole lot of things in the market, uh, even just standard equities and, and commodities and everything else. Um, so I think just like everything else, we'll, we'll continue to see real builders will continue to build. They'll continue to disrupt. They will build businesses that that break through. These will be, you know, the comparison would be the dot com bubble, your your eBay's, your Amazons, and this kind of thing. And we'll start to see the sort of pets dot com like random, like hey, this shouldn't have really been a business in the first place. We'll start to see those fall over, and it's a good thing. Like the 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 free economy, the free market breaks the stuff out, and then the good minds that are in those bad projects will make their way to the good projects, and we'll we'll consolidate good ideas and will grow the, the good things. So it's a long haul though. So 2022, I'm not, I'm not super bullish on 2022, but uh, I remain bullish in the like three to five year term on, on a lot of these things. Great. And Kurt, if my listeners wanted to hear more from you, where would they find you? You can find me all over the place. Uh, I'm at kurtwookerjr.com. Uh, it's kind of the center of the stuff that I do. But uh, you can read my articles at coingeek.com. You can find me on Twitter at uh, kurtwookerjr. And you can also find me at Twitch that I mentioned earlier. I am user number 292. Uh, but but really, anywhere. I'm, if you just Google kurtwookerjr, you can find me. I also answer my DMs. So if anybody wants to chat, um, I'm happy to chat about pretty much anything. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast, drop me a rating and review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.